0: Nexus Church is all about cultivating an authentic Christian community where old and young alike journey with Jesus and are transformed by the gospel. May we be challenged and inspired by the power of His word. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you that you humbled yourself, you came to us at Christmas time. Jesus, we are so grateful. We pray this morning as we gather in your name, the light of heaven would shine upon every heart. We invite your Holy Spirit here and now to move upon us. Lord, every person, Lord, no matter how our year has been or what we've been through, Lord, we thank you that today you want the light of heaven to touch every heart. So above all, we thank you, Jesus. We're coming in grace and loving kindness and changing everything in our hearts. We welcome your presence right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and grab a seat. Brilliant job, team man. One day when I grow up, I'm going to sing like Liz. Welcome to church. I want to welcome everybody online. I understand that many can't get here today, but so glad you're joining us and. Wherever you're at, even if you are in isolation, our prayers are with you and we know you'll sense the comfort and presence of his Holy Spirit today. And welcome everybody this morning. As Beck already mentioned, tomorrow we just have one service on, nine o'clock, and we have our good friend Shane Willard with us. And it's going to be a great morning. And I can tell you, we will all be home in time to watch the start of the cricket. I hope, as long as they delay the start by a few minutes. Anyway. So glad that you are with us. In fact, this is our, uh, our fourth year, our fourth Christmas as senior pastors. And uh, my name is Nathan. I don't know if we've met before, but um, welcome to our church. and glad you're with us. And this morning, I want to share a very short word with you out of Matthew chapter 2. We're just going to read the first 11 verses. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him, notice the entire city was disturbed. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. This is what the prophet has written. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. You know that he's making that up. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was born. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and on coming to their house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him, and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What we notice every Christmas season is that everything begins to get brighter. Every household right now, in one way or another, has something bright in your house where the dad scaled the lofty heights of the highest peak of the tallest castle to hang an icicle, taking his life into his own hands. No doubt, many people hung lights. Even inside, there's things like tinsel and shining stars. Everything is bright. In fact, in our house, uh, we love Christmas so much, we have two trees. Yeah, we have a tree in the front room and a tree in the back, and uh, one is the tree of life, the other is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We just set it up as a social experiment to see which one the boys go to. But both of those trees have lights on them. The reason why everything is bright and shiny is because the story of Christmas is the light coming into the world. In fact, if we were to read John's account, he would say this. In John chapter 1, he doesn't bother with birth narratives. There's no shepherds or magi or angels or anything like that. He says this. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. I'll tell you something you don't see a lot in church. You don't see many children's Christmas plays based on John chapter 1. Imagine that being played out. It'd be so low budget. All you'd do is you'd have kids walk onto the stage, give one person a John the Baptist beard, they point at the light, You turn it off and on and you walk off the stage, done, play over. John chapter 1 is not giving us the details of Christmas. John chapter 1 is in fact telling us the meaning of Christmas, that the light was coming into the world and the darkness is not overcoming it and the true light that is light to everyone was coming to alight people's hearts. And in Matthew chapter 2, the birth narrative, we see everything is bright and shiny. In fact, if we looked at Luke, we'd see the same thing. Angels are appearing in glorious brightness. Everybody's scared of them. They have no ability to turn it down. It's always turned up to 11. It's like, turn it down, angels. You're scaring everybody. You're so bright. We have angels. We have all these encounters. But the dominant theme that runs throughout every account, Matthew and Luke, is the fact that there is something bright and shiny entering the world. And our only choice is how we respond to it. In the passage I just read, we actually see three different groups of kings and these three different groups of kings are all responding in different ways to the light coming into the world. It's obvious the first king we read about is King Herod. The second king we read about is sort of a group of kings, the Magi from the east. In fact, I'm sure you'd be aware of that Christmas carol. We don't sing it a whole lot, probably because it's historically inaccurate, but we, uh, that one, We Three Kings of orient far. What's the next line? Bearing, Bearing gifts, that's right, it's like the, we never sing that one. We three kings, which isn't quite accurate, not necessarily three kings, there were three gifts given but the gifts don't determine how many people were there. I know this because I gave back three gifts this morning and I'm only one person, incredibly generous. As it turns out, Even our dog, Sonny, managed to buy Beck a cute little outfit this Christmas, which was amazing because he has such a busy schedule, he managed to sneak online, jump onto the Iconic and order something for her. Um, Literally wrote a card saying, sorry for being annoying, from Sonny. Cute little outfit from Sonny, well done to him. Clever, clever dog. The amount of gifts don't determine how many people are there. But what we notice in the story is that the Magi have come from the east. They may not have been kings per se. There's a sense of royalty upon them. The reason for that is because only the rich could travel and only the rich could provide those sorts of gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. And so throughout church history they've been labelled as the kings of the east. And the final king we read him, Matthew chapter 2 is obviously King Jesus. I find it amazing that King Jesus would be born into poverty, would humble himself and take on the form of a servant and come in such an obscure way to an obscure town and yet he is the king. And in this passage we see the three kings in Matthew chapter 2, But we see these three kings all responding differently to the light of the world, all responding in a different way. And in doing that, we actually see what light does. And I want to talk about those three things that light does as we look at these three kings. Number one is this, the light exposes. Chapter two, verse three, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. You know, light is a very good thing, but light also can disturb us a little bit. And so often at Christmas time, we're always filled with warm feelings about Jesus. And I want to welcome everybody in this place and people online and maybe you're new to church and you like the idea of Jesus and you're filled with warm feelings and that's a good thing. But can I tell you as well, it's not just warm feelings. The brightness of the Son of Heaven, when He hits your heart, sometimes things are exposed. King Herod experienced this. King Herod was disturbed because he realized the light of the world is coming into the world. My little kingdom is now fragile and under threat. Can I tell you? When the light of King Jesus touches your heart, it's exposing, it's disturbing. And sometimes we realise our little world is under threat, but it's a very good thing. In fact, one of the emphases that we see all throughout Matthew is Isaiah 9, Isaiah 60 and Isaiah 7. Every one of them is talking about arising and shining for your light has come. People living in darkness have seen a glorious light. Time and again, this light has to shine the darkest places of our hearts. And it's actually good for us to have this light exposed. I don't know if you've ever had the joy of this, you probably have, but if you've got young kids like many do in this place and it's your responsibility as the parent to wake them up every now and then for an early start, I always feel sorry for the parents that their kids choose to be swimmers. I always think think there's a special reward in heaven for you, you know. Dad, I want to be a swimmer. No, you don't. No, play cricket. That way we can spend every Saturday in the sun with you. But always with, uh, whenever your kids are getting up, you know what it's like, sometimes you get up before the sun and it's your job, the alarm goes off and here's what you do. Every time you go into their room, you open the curtains to get a shred of sunlight in and you turn the light on, even when it's dark. And of course, the response is always, Yea, do I greet thee this heavenly morning. They're always so stoked about it. They're always like, thank you, Father. Yea, do I greet thee. That never happens. It's always, oh, come on, just a little bit longer. Why is that? Because the light disturbs. The light is saying, arise and shine. It's time to change. It's time to let the light of heaven in. And I tell you, we all need this. I need this in my heart. Because I can tell you it's been another tough year. And in the darkness, only bad things grow. You only get gross things that grow in the dark. And we need the light of heaven to touch us, but sometimes it's disturbing. I'm glad you're here, but I need to tell you, Jesus does not just give us warm feelings. He exposes our little kingdoms and says, come on, you've got to live for more than that. And King Herod could not handle that. The next, the light draws in. The Magi came and they said, We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And after they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose was ahead of them until it stopped the place where the child was born. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Do you notice with the Magi, these people are strangely drawn in to encounter Jesus. And these are not the kind of people that you would expect to be drawn in to encounter Jesus. The Magi from the East, we're told throughout history, were likely astrologers or astronomers. I don't really know the difference, but they both have to do with the stars. They're likely wise men or magicians. These were the people who dabbled in all kinds of weird things. And yet, these are the seekers who are drawn to the light. In fact, they weren't just drawn to inquire; they were drawn to worship. Actually, commentators would tell us that Jesus was likely two years old by the time they got on the scene. Can you imagine arriving in an obscure, poor town, and there's a little two-year-old there, and, and you're to be the first wise man to go? Right, Here he is. Let's worship him. <laughs> Have you seen a two-year-old? They're, they're beautiful. They came not to inquire, they came to worship. Because the light has this ability to draw us in. And can I tell you, in one sense we're all a bit like the Magi. Every one of us. We're not qualified for this. We haven't earned it. It's not by good behaviour, good performance, church attendance. No, he draws us in, not because there's anything in us, but because of who he is that we are drawn to the light. About this time a few years ago I was with... My friend at his house and he went to Bunnings and he brought one of those brand new bug zappers that draw in the mosquitoes. And uh, what was really great about this bug zapper is that it humanely killed the mosquitoes, which I don't know about you, but that's something I'm really passionate about. <laughs> you know, that's really humanely killed the mosquitoes. And, and what sits at the base of this light is this little pool of water and the mosquitoes are drawn in and they are gently drowned. And isn't that wonderful to know that many mosquitoes just being gently drowned, like you've had a good life, get away from me. It's funny, we turned it on and we thought, man, this, this whiz-bang thing, this is going to be absolutely amazing, it's going to take out every mosquito. And we kept on getting bitten. I said, there's something wrong with this humanely killing mosquito thing you've got, something wrong with it. We looked at the instructions and here's the the thing that you have to do. If you want it to work, you have to eliminate all the competing lights or the mosquitoes will only be drawn to the competing lights. And of course we did that and it still didn't work, but don't worry about it. At the end of the day, every one of us are drawn to competing lights in our life. Every one of us. If we were to stop and take stock in our hearts, we know the things that draw us in. We know the things that we are drawn to and we think if we have that, we will be happy. We have that, life will make sense. If we have that, my life will have purpose, it'll have meaning. But can I tell you, they're just competing lights, they're not the true light that gives life to all mankind. And maybe even this Christmas morning you could stop and take a moment. What are the competing lights you're running after that are artificial and not lasting? We think our career will do it for us and it doesn't work. We think another relationship will do it for us and it doesn't work. We think finally acquiring that, car, house, whatever it is, and it doesn't work, can I tell you, there's only one light that will actually give you life, and it is King Jesus. So the light exposes, the light draws us in, especially when we highlight and eliminate the competing lights. And finally, the light brings life. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The true light gives light to everyone. Was coming into the world. Do you know what you notice about lights? Firstly, they're always central in a room, which means Jesus has to be central in our lives. There's another thing as well. When you're in darkness in your house, and say your child does scream out in the middle of the night and you walk in, the first thing you do is you turn the light on. And then once you turn the light on, you do not take a moment and admire the light. In fact, if you stood there and looked at the light, it will hurt your eyes. Here's what you do, you turn the light on and by turning the light on, everything else becomes illuminated, everything else makes sense. They might be crying out, thinking, you know, there's something going on, there's a monster in the room, something scary is happening or something like that and you turn it on and you say, no, don't worry about it, that's just a weird trench coat hanging over your door. I don't know why you even own a trench coat, but don't worry about it. Once we turn the light on, everything else begins to make sense. Can I tell you what the true light does in our lives? You see, we're always trying to make sense of our lives. Every time around Christmas, we reflect just for a few moments and we think of another year. Let's face it, another tough year. And what we try and do is we try and make sense of it. But can I tell you what Isaiah says? We are all living in deep darkness. In fact, Isaiah 9 says thick darkness. I don't know the difference between deep or thick darkness. All I know is it's really dark. But the light of heaven says this in Isaiah 9: Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord shines on you. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. Not that we just stare at the light. By the light, everything in life begins to make sense. And can I ask you this morning, do you have that in your heart? Because we know that light itself brings life to us. The light of heaven brings life to you and I. A few months back, a, a patch of grass at my house hadn't grown very well. And uh, I proceeded to look at what it could be. I thought it was grubs. I put grub killer on and it wasn't that. And then I thought it was all this moisture that was pooling there. And if you were with us a few weeks ago, I, I went ahead and dug a six meter trench. Bought a drainage system. I had one of our team, Andy Mack. I thought I'd highlight him. I think he's outside there. But uh, he came over and said, yeah, let's dig a six meter trench. It was really a beautiful trench. Cam came over and he's the one with a little bit of a landscaping background. And I could see this dilemma on his face because I'm Cam's boss. He's realized I have done a great job of digging a six meter trench that is completely purposeless. And I could see this, it was more of a trilemma, you know? Do I tell the truth? Do I keep my job? Do we do the right thing? Anyway, I said, Cam, permission to speak freely. He said, look, your six-meter trench, it's a great trench, but it's totally unnecessary. That's not what you need. <laughs> At the end of the day, what that spot actually needed was not grub killer, was not a trench, was not better drainage. You know what it ultimately needs? Sunlight. 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 You see, we think that all these things we have to get right in our life and we have to sort out and we go through a checklist to have a better life and we think Jesus will fit into our plans. Can I tell you what you and I need more of? Light of heaven. We need to bring our hearts to Him wholly and fully, not so He fits into our plans, but so He exposes the deep things in our hearts so that we're drawn into Him and simply by being in the light, you will grow. Team, you can come and join me. Every year I have this line that always pops up in my heart when I prepare a Christmas message and I I can never get away from it. If you've been with us and this is your fourth Christmas, this is what I say every year. It's Christmas shines with Easter glory. You see, the child wasn't just born as a child and and that was it. Christmas time, we don't just celebrate God coming to earth and taking on the form of a servant. We also celebrate the fact that he would pay an ultimate price for you and I to have life and have it abundantly. I find it interesting, the gift that Magi's would bring, the gold, the frankincense and myrrh, I'm sure you'd be familiar, gold is royalty. The frankincense was used in the priestly temple, but myrrh was never the gift that you would give at Christmas time, or you'd never give ever as a gift, really. Gold for kingship or royalty, frankincense would be used for the priestly incense, but myrrh was only ever used as a burial spice. You see, the reason why we can have life is because Jesus not only came at Christmas time, He lived and He died and He rose again. And that means today He has life for you forgiveness of sins, grace and kindness. And the abundance of life that you're ultimately looking for is found in Him because Christmas shines with Easter glory. We're gonna sing this song. Well, actually, no, we aren't going to, Liz is going to. It'll sound way better that way. In this song, I want you to reflect on these three simple things. Are you letting the light of heaven expose the things in your heart? Because I can tell you every one of us needs to do that. It's so easy to lose our joy, lose our peace. It's so easy for the dark things to creep in. I need today the light of heaven to shine afresh in my heart. Perhaps you need to be drawn in afresh like the Magi. Maybe you're saying, I'm not really a church person, nor were the Magi, nor is any one of us, because we don't even know what a church person is. All we know is that we are in need of grace and the light of heaven. Maybe today would you allow yourself to be drawn in. And lastly, ask yourself this question. Do you have the true light that brings life? Because there's no amount of presence that will give you the life you're really looking for. Only Jesus has that. And when he is the king of your heart, you will find life in abundance forevermore. We hope this message encouraged or perhaps even challenged you in your Christian faith. Our pastors meet regularly with people to pray and support them and we extend this invitation to you. Please let us know if we can contact you to offer support. Simply call the office or visit nexuschurch.com.au